Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, where we seek to share the table with storytellers and seekers alike. Hopefully, and almost certainly, over a great cup of coffee, where we seek to help you flourish and want to see you flourish in your mental health journey. We're your hosts, Jonathan Coggins. And I'm Kyle Ridgely, and I hope that this is a space that is safe and inclusive for all. Welcome to the table. Hello, Peaks and Valleys family, and welcome to another episode of the Pour Over podcast. As we always say, welcome to the table, and we hope you have had your coffee today or bring in your coffee to the table. I am your host, Jonathan Coggins, and today it's just going to be me. Um, our co-host, Kyle, um, decided to, you know, just sit, sit this one out, um, ju- just take a, a mental health day and you know, um, just relax, which is, which is what we all need, um, from time to time, um, getting that self-care and taking care of yourself, especially in light of, um, it being mental health awareness month. Um, you know, as we've said on our social media, um, we hope you were taking those moments this, this month and just in general to, uh, just slow down, um, to sit and be, um, get that self-care, um, in light of Mental Health Awareness Month, and I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that there has been just a lot um, that has gone on just just within the past three weeks. Um, yeah, if you're uh, from America, you you particularly know know what I'm talking about. Um, there was the um, white supremacist Buffalo, um, New York shooting. And if you follow us on Instagram, um, we did, did an Instagram live with, um, Tyler Burns from, um, past the mic that, that works with Jamar Tisby. And we had a conversation about racialized trauma and, um, you know, better pass forward, um, how we can, um, just walk alongside and care for our black and brown brothers and sisters better. Um, so go listen to that that live and um, lean into that conversation. There were a lot of good things that, that Tyler gave us to chew on and think about in the process. Um, and then there was the um, if you if you're in a religious context, um, uh, you probably know that the the Southern Baptist Convention um, released a 300-page guidepost investigation into sexual abuse within the the denomination. Um, And then um, this past week, the um, school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Um, There's just been a lot. There's been a lot of heaviness. There's been a lot of grieving and lamenting and um, firsthand and secondhand trauma. And so we just want to say we're holding space for you this week. Um, whatever um, you're grieving in any one of these situations, we're holding space for you. 
and um, we're with you. And if we can walk alongside you and resource you um, and connect you to the resources you um, need and deserve, uh, reach out to us. Um, we're, we're here um, to walk alongside you as best as we can and, and give you the space that you need to just be, to just be human. Um, because uh, it, it's been mentioned on here before that um, simply just existing and living and being in our lives can be a form of resistance. And so we welcome that and we have, we have space for that. Um, but yeah, just, just want to take a moment to acknowledge that and, and know that there's space um, for all the grieving and, and trauma and lamenting. So moving on today on the podcast, um, we have um, a great guest that I think is going to be a fantastic conversation and it kind of coming, coming off uh, of our last conversation, which was with um, Dion Sanchez. And, um, you know, we, she had the opportunity to share her own story of um, living with um, some disabilities when she was younger and navigating that and um, just, just a story of overcoming and where she is now. And um, it was just a powerful um, story and episode. And, um, and so now kind of on the back of that conversation, um, we have Rachel from um, Hey Church and, you know, give her an opportunity to just introduce herself and explain, you know, what her platform is and, you know, what she advocates for. It, it definitely uh, has caught my attention and resonated with me, um, especially as I mentioned before, you know, I, I work in a, a support role of supporting adults with developmental and intellectual disabilities. Um, so a lot of what she talks about and advocates for resonated with me. So I reached out to her and wanted to, you know, elevate her voice, um, give her an opportunity to share her story and just, just have a conversation about us being people centered and um, seeing people as whole people and, and not the, the labels or disabilities or mental health struggles that um, would seek to define us, but um, resisting that and, um, you know, seeing people as whole people. Um, so Rachel, thanks a lot for, for being here and um, lending your voice and sharing your story and just having this conversation. So I'll just give it over to you just to share a little bit about yourself and um, your platform or um, just whatever, whatever you want our listeners to know. Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, yeah, so my partner and I live in Toronto with our two kids. Um, our daughter, Kaya, is five, and she has a very rare genetic disorder um, that involves a change on her ninth chromosome. It actually doesn't have a name. It's just the name of the gene. Um, and our son, Xavier, is two. Um, so when I started this Instagram page, Hey Church, um, I was angry and I just needed an outlet um, to talk about like the blatant ableism that existed specifically in the um, evangelical church, um, reformed evangelical church. That's where I was at the time. Um, 
we left the church that we'd been at for 10 years um, after an event that was pretty traumatizing involving our daughter. Um, it was just a lot of back and forth of not being heard by church leadership. Um, and truly, when I reflect, there were a lot of things that were kind of building up to our exodus of the church. There was racism. And I always, I stayed because, oh, this church is teaching sound theology. Um, but as I started to question um, as to why any other Christians that I would ask, how can I give the gospel to Kaya, who has a an intellectual disability? Um, and I don't, I always stress that, oh, I don't want to water it down, but I do want to simplify it that she could understand it. And the first thing I was always met with was she needs to know that she's a sinner and she needs to know that she doesn't deserve, um, I don't know, not deserving of simply put like good things only because Jesus came and because of what he did. And should she choose to accept that, would she be deserving of those things? I was like, okay, well, how am I going to communicate this? But at the same time, I was like, this doesn't, this just doesn't feel right. Um, and that kind of, um, well, that pushed me into looking into disability theology, of which I've studied for the past almost year. I think I own every book on it. Um, interacting with other disabled Christians. Um, yeah, and just realizing that the church has failed while it's failed many marginalized groups i honestly feel that they that it's failed disabled people the most particularly intellectually disabled people um and i hoped that my instagram page could highlight that and give bring encouragement to parents uh specifically of disabled children because People seem to think that, oh, this is a death sentence and you need to be grieving this diagnosis, but that's not the case. Mm. Yeah, that's, th thanks for sharing um, just mm -hmm. part of your journey with us. And if you hear something, that's just my son in the background. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No worries. No worries. We have, we have space for everybody here. So <laughs> your son is welcome. Um, yeah. Th thanks for sharing. Um, that that story and there there were some some parts in that 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 I want to kind of get into and and talk about a little bit um but before we you know really dive into this conversation um uh, you know we usually ask our guests because we are the four of our podcast we believe here that um you know we we want to gather around the table to have conversations to do life together to walk alongside one another around a good cup of coffee um, because we love good coffee here um, and we love gathering around a good cup of coffee um you inform me though rachel that you are not a coffee drinker which is which is you know totally fine oh thank um, you <laughs> yeah yeah um we 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 don't discriminate um based on your your non-coffee uh, preference. Um, so what is your, would you say is your, 
your go-to like hot beverage or, you know, or caffeinated that really kind of gets you going for the day? Um, what is, what is your go-to choice? Um, I'll sound really nerdy here, but <laughs> if there's any Star Trek fans, um, it's Earl Grey, tea Earl Grey hot. Yeah. <laughs> hot uh, so Earl Grey with, um, I guess almond milk. Hmm. Never had Earl Grey, Earl Grey tea with almond milk. It's nice. It it actually sounds super tasty. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of honey or brown sugar. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 local shop actually does um, loose leaf tea. So maybe I will have to try that next time I'm in there. Some Earl Grey with some almond milk. Yeah. So thanks for the recommendation. Of course. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the the first thing I really kind of want to um, um, zero in on and, and, and talk about is um, one one particular part of your, your story that you just shared um, when you said that this this doesn't feel right. Um, you know, in, in light of what you, um, were being, you know, told about, um, you know, people with, um, living with disabilities and, um, all that, uh, one thing that we've talked about, um, on here before is, is trusting, trusting our bodies, um, and, you know, so many of us, um, have been, have been told that we can't do that, that we can't trust our bodies, that we can't, mm -hmm. you know, your, you know, your heart's deceitful above all else and all that. And yeah, um, that was my favorite verse when I was a Calvinist. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when in reality, you know, our, our bodies are just so incredibly designed and to to communicate to us um to to tell us things and so um kind of following in in that vein and and you you coming out of um you said a a calvinistic framework and worldview and reformed um what was that journey like of coming out of that and then you getting to that moment of, like you said in your story, like this, this doesn't feel right. And I'm going to lean into that and I'm going to trust that. Like what, what did it look like navigating that uh, for you? Um, because I know for me, at least like that's been, that's been, you know, really, really difficult kind of um, deconstructing and reconstructing is the idea that, oh, I, I can trust, you know, my body and my instincts and these things when something doesn't feel right or something doesn't feel safe, that, mm -hmm. um, that I can trust those things. And so what, what did that look like for you really navigating all that and come to this realization idea that you can trust your body, you can trust those instincts? I think that's a really, really good question. Um, because when I first found Reformed Theology, um, I had what felt like 
like a week long panic attack, like just tightness in my chest. My heart was like always racing. And honestly, I convinced myself that this was God's presence. Like this is, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Um, and I think being raised in like Christian fundamentalism and being told like, I can't trust my feelings. I would always just push everything down or push it to the side. And so when I, when, when my daughter came along, um, there was a huge shift and change in my mindset, even though I was still pretty deep in Calvinism. Um, I had always had questions, but what about disabled people? Even before I knew that she was disabled, because she didn't get a diagnosis until she was three, I still had questions like, what about people that are like profoundly impacted by disability? Will God still send those people to hell? And it would always come Mm. back to Romans 9, um, the Calvinist favorite scripture. that pretty much God can do whatever he wants. So holiness for me became synonymous with, well, it didn't become synonymous with love. It was just that, okay, God is holy. And I guess sometimes love looks like hate and I have to be okay with that. Mm. Um, So yeah, but still going through all of this, I still never really, um, put together a a program or something to I guess share the gospel with Kaya even though I was always looking for something and everything that I found I think I made an Instagram post about this was just like hey color this apple and the snake talking to Adam and Eve there just isn't value placed on children let alone like disabled people as well like what is really important for them to know that God, that God loves them and that he made them this way or, um, X or, uh, that they're sinners and they're unclean, um, needing to change because how is, if disability is a consequence of a fall, is that person just marked by sin is their disability? Like, a mark on them and they're not going to be rid of that in any way especially if it's like a developmental disability so like what are they supposed to do and nobody could answer these questions um so then i went i moved into disability theology but to answer your question of how it felt it felt more affirming to be leaving calvinism which i never thought i would i thought when i found reformed theology i'm like this is it I have all the answers now, um, or most of them, but I, it felt, it was scary, but it, I felt more (laughs) secure, surprisingly. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. It sounds like, um, not, not all of, you know, Christianity in the church, but a, a large large portion is very you know anti-science and anti you know um biology 
Um, and sounds like we need to be a whole lot more pro-science and pro-biology. Yes, um, especially when it comes to disability. Because if you just, yeah. if you treat, well, not even treat, if you just recognize that genetic mutations are just something that happen, they just happen, then um, a god said, okay, this person is going to have this disability, and it's because two people didn't listen to me when I made it, when I made the earth, when you just look at everything and how it doesn't line up, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it just may, it doesn't make sense. And it's, if God is looking more like an ableist than something like natural selection, we have a big problem. Yes, hundred percent, you know, and that's, that, that, that's the, the danger and, and, um, part of the reason that, that, you know, the, the church, um, gets <laughs> in all these cultural wars and, and so many problems is because, um, we, we treat the Bible like, um, a prescription manual. Um, mm -hmm. it feels like a lot of times, like for answering the, the, you know, the question of, um, why do people live with disabilities? Well, let's pull out this, you know, prescription from the Bible, you know, like because yeah. of the fall, right? Like, which that, isn't, that's not that even in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, um, I think many people have majorly mishandled, um, just how they interact with life and in treating the Bible the way they have. Um, um, because, and then that's how we get ableism. Um, it's, it's because of, <laughs> because of that, that use and, and prescription of our faith in the Bible. Um, when actually we need to be looking at, you know, science and biology and like, um, trusting that those things are true right and good um and they're actually not um you know a, a threat to you know the gospel or whatever you want to say like yeah that makes no sense <laughs> yes yes yeah and even if we just want to simplify it and just look at what jesus said about disabled people um he said it wasn't the fault of their parents he just, uh, he said that this person was made disabled so God can be glorified through them. Why can't we just leave it at that? There's still pastors, like I watched something this morning. It was a biologist, um, I guess, well, debunking this pastor's claims about genetic mutations. And the pastor said, so we start out with three, I think it's three billion base pairs in our DNA. And this, this um, pastor is saying, oh, they just decrease over time. So it's like, if we're going to go with that, and also if you're a young earth creationist, the, the earth is only 6,000 years old. So we only have 27 base pairs now. Like that's, <laughs> people wouldn't be able to survive off of that. But then yeah. he's like, oh, then we have, um, you have conditions like Down syndrome and autism because one person sinned back in the day and now our DNA is just mutated and messed up. But it's like you have no understanding that not all mutations are 
quote unquote bad um and not like some people have like mutate red hair is a, like a genetic mutation this is that a bad thing down syndrome is not a bad thing it's just a difference um it's just really frustrating that the disabled community they're mostly ignored by the church and then when they are acknowledged it's to use them as an example of god's wrath and that's i have yet to find a church that doesn't hold those views so i have no i can't see myself returning anytime soon because of that what that's the main thing probably yeah or or use them as an example of um you know say there's a person that is is living with down syndrome and um they elevate this person and oh johnny is just doing so good despite you know he has he has down syndrome and um yes yeah you know kind, <laughs> kind of that that um almost kind of maybe pity yeah and like infantilization yeah well. yeah like i think yeah i think both both those sides are um just harmful to um to people living with disabilities and just being able to to live um you know lives just like us um mm -hmm. you know and it's even with that like i wish that there wasn't us versus them language like language has become so much more important to me since having a child that's disabled and since just separating myself from well the white evangelical church even though i'm not white that's what i was brought up in um to like comment on what you said about people like pitying or like sympathizing disabled people i the same thing would happen with um there's a black pastor at the, the church that I attended and all the lead pastors were white. There was one black one and they kind of just, I don't know. It, it was, it was very clear to see, especially if you were another black person that they didn't take him seriously. Um, and that happens too much. Um, and then people wonder why so many people are, leaving or distancing themselves from the church. It's like, they're not distan distancing themselves from Jesus per se all the time. They're trying to look for a church that actually looks like Jesus's teachings mm -hmm. um, because that's getting so much harder to find. Yes, it, it is, it is. Um, next next um, kind of, um, line of thought that that I want to um, talk about. Um, you've mentioned um, you've dove into a lot of um, disability theology um, and learning about that. Um, what what does that look like? Like kind of, I guess, you know, break down, explain what what disability theology is um, and, and what you what you've learned um, from listening and, and centering those voices in your life. 
Sure, that's a really good question. So coming from like a background that I guess is mostly classical or classic theology, um, it's a, very easy to think, well, why do we need to look at perspectives of God or studying God from any from different perspectives? Like, for example, let's say Black theology or Indigenous theology, disabled theology, queer theology. Like, there's why are there all of these, like, feminist theology? Why do these exist? And simply put these are the groups that have been trying to be snuffed out by christianity in whatever way like with slavery certain parts of the bible were taken out so they wouldn't um i guess conspire with each other and feel liberated and try and break free um women are seen as well i guess we're treated as property and just not considered to be the same as men and disabled people uh they existed to be healed essentially um there's a huge misinterpretation of why jesus healed the disabled um if you notice all the healings that are mentioned in the bible are consensual like Jesus will ask, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't just go and place hands on somebody. They either come up to him and ask for healing or he asks them, what do you want me to do? Um, so that was a huge part of what I learned with the definition of what disability theology is. It's um, looking at God Jesus, um, through a disabled lens. And because I am not, I don't have a diagnosis, I'm not disabled. Um, it was very helpful to read literature from people who actually were. Not all the, um, the theologians that I read were disabled. And I noticed that I didn't like a lot of the language that they used. And I think that's a big part if you're not disabled and you just have a disabled child you're not going to be as sensitive to it just like i don't know what it's like to be disabled you don't know what it's like to be black you can be as sensitive as you can but it's just not going to be the same but mm -hmm. the disabled god by nancy eastland she was a disabled theologian that passed away i want to say in the late 90s she lived with a congenital bone disorder and had uh, several surgeries since childhood. And the view that she had is really profound that when Jesus rose from the dead, he um, appeared before his disciples and Thomas didn't want to believe that it was him. Um, but then Jesus showed Thomas his hands and his side and said, well, you can touch me and see that I'm here and I'm real. And I still have these marks. So the fact that Jesus was crucified brutally, he died and then he rose again and still had those um, marks on his body. To Nancy signified that disability is not something that needs to be erased in heaven. Um, 
and I know a lot of people be like, well, Jesus wasn't disabled. Like he could still walk and it's like, well, it's not, we're not calling Jesus disabled in that way because if we believe that he was God, of course he's not disabled. But the fact that he had imperfections on his, bo on his body um, speaks to the belief that God doesn't see disability as something that needs to be feared or erased. So that was a huge, I, I think that's, that's what I usually point people to, to that book first. And, um, it, it says a lot about how we view not only disabled people, but Jesus. And like, can we see ourselves in him? A lot of the time we can't because he's just, or he's been painted as a white guy that loves guns, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, it was a really profound um, take and view on Jesus and his body and what that, can represent mm. yeah that's that's good say can, can you say the name of that that book and the author one more time i'm just yeah people missed the, it the book is called the disabled god by nancy eastland and her last name is spelled e-i-s-e-l-a-n-d okay perfect perfect that's definitely one that that i for sure am going to check out um yeah, but you made me think of something um, that uh, I've talked to, you know, a few people about um, that now that I'm exploring, you know, this, this much more broad than what I've been given, like Christian tradition, um, different um, theological views and beliefs and all these kind of things like um, you know for so long these um, all these other voices have been kept out of our hands in certain ways like you know um, disability theology or um, you know black liberation theology or you know, host of number of different different ways of of viewing um, just just God and and people and um, like an example like I, I think it was December when I finished up his book, um, but I read James Cone for the first time, um, which is um, like one of the fathers of you know Black liberation theology. Um, better read his book and I'm like like what why have why have I never heard of James Cohn before now you know yeah like um like this this is just incredible yeah. like it's yeah. it's it's a totally different perspective um but I I think it's it's because the I I think it's one because um there's been this this a lot of it stems from stems from the fundamentalism um 
you know, just the the anti intellectualism um, mm-hmm. that that runs through a lot of you know the church and Christianity, um, but also conforming God to um, the meat, um, you know, in a box, something that we can pull out when it's convenient. Um, that looks a certain way that, um, you know, and that that's just not who God is like, um, right. Yeah. And, and we, we have to center the right voices to get a fuller perspective of who God is. Like, like you said, centering those, those, um, disability theologians or those black, you know, liberation theologians or, um, those feminist and womanist theologians like um, we need to start doing better at, at centering more voices than um, the white cisgendered heterosexual male <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and even I think a lot of people forget that the bible is yeah. a Jewish book um, uh, have you heard of the Bama podcast I, I, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. Put that on your list as well, because that first it was disability theology. And then listening to the Bama podcast where my mind just exploded of starting from Genesis. I've only gotten to, I think I'm on Genesis seven or eight now listening to it, but just the creation story and how, how much is lost in our Christian interpretation of, of that, of the story. Um, it's the podcast is hosted by a guy that's he's Jewish, but I think, well, he's ethnically Jewish and a practicing Christian. Um, there's just, I made, there's some highlights on my Instagram page about it, that if we held on to that like the accurate um interpretation of the creation story the creation myth because it's not not to say that there isn't truth that can be reaped from it but that's not how the world like came about if we've got the sun being made af- after plants like it doesn't that's i and i had never realized that before yeah if we just held on to these truths of like the jewish interpretation things like ableism and racism not to say that they wouldn't exist because people there's just some people that suck but (laughs) it wouldn't be a part of the faith it wouldn't be like a an integral part unfortunately like because that's what it's become uh if we just recognize that science isn't trying to like destroy Christianity and that it's, we have so much evidence for where humans came from and why disability exists. It's actually just um, a natural thing that occurs. Uh, Yeah. What reason would we have then to be like, it's just the Bible is people trying to understand God. That's what I've, I've, I've come to. Uh, And it's, it's amazing. It's definitely one of the best books that I, if not the best book 
I've read, but because my perspective has changed so much, um, on how I, I guess, choose to apply it Mm -hmm. to my life, um, I think that's a huge component of the advocacy that I'm trying to do yeah. through this page as well, because people get understandably the fundamentalists very nervous when they hear about people, whatever deconstructing. It's like, oh, you've lost your faith, so now you're an atheist. Like, it's not just you're an atheist or a Christian. Like, what I've learned in my very black and white thinking that I've had, I guess, since I was a kid being raised in fundamentalism is that not everything can be or should be just like completely black and white. You miss out on so much. There's so much like beautiful imagery in the creation story. Like, I'll try not to go off on a tangent, but the fact that the snake isn't the devil, that blew my mind. I won't to give too many spoilers, but the snake is not the devil. That Satan is a title that just means adversary. That's why when Peter says, oh no, Jesus, like, I don't want you, uh, that can't happen. I don't want you to die. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because he was going against what, I guess, what was ordained to happen. But growing up, I was like, oh my gosh, Peter became possessed by a demon and was possessed by the devil. There's just so much. I, I wonder why the church doesn't teach this because if you go to seminary what like maybe maybe they don't teach it there i don't know there's a lot of anti-semitism within the church as well so maybe that's it yeah yeah i probably i would imagine yeah (laughs) um so so you're saying we're not supposed to just read a text literally and take it at face value and apply it out (laughs) in the world like that um (laughs) I no. <laughs> that's what I've that's what I've come to learn too because what's so cool about the Bema podcast is that I learned that it's not wrong to ask questions. Yeah. And that Jewish people actually that's a form of worship for them to to be like why is this like this? This doesn't make sense. Let me try and understand. And I think that people that are deconstructing um really care about their faith because i haven't just walked away like i want to have answers i want to understand and i have to be okay with not being able to have all the answers that's been hard coming from fundamentalism and then calvinism where you've got a verse for everything but then you lose out on the mystery of god like we're not supposed to know everything about god yeah um yeah yeah i i also i think it's it's you know the asking questions and challenging things um um i I love that you mentioned that you know that that is that was seen in jewish culture as a you know as a a form of you know a worship and like exploring and um but also think like um at, at least where um, a lot of people are now in the 21st century in navigating their fate. Like, um, I, I think that that can also come as a, um, a form of resistance, um, 
you know, a good and beautiful resistance, a, mm-hmm. um, a resistance of the things that um, have marginalized and oppressed and um, affected people's mental health, you know, like, oh, yeah. I, I think that challenging and that, that questioning and that, um, you know, it is a, is a beautiful and holy resistance of the things that um, don't lead to human flourishing. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. No, that, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, I think I got um, just um, one last kind of line of conversation and then we'll, we'll end this out. Um, first, first thing with this, um, what does this look like in, in your own journey, Rachel, um, especially um, having, you know, a daughter that, that lives with a disability? Um, what, what does it look like for you in the way that you now, um, you know, view and support your daughter or those, you know, other people that, that are living with disabilities? What is how has that changed the way that you you walk alongside and and support um you know those living with with a disability Mm -hmm. honestly the biggest change that helped me to live like more presently because i think well i know that my mind has always been like projected into the future of after i die that I'm gonna go up into the sky and be in heaven. Um, and since learning that going to heaven, how so many people believe it is not like what it was meant to mean, mm-hmm. uh, living with purpose and presently has become really, really important. And also learning about evolution. Um, because something that a lot of Christians, like myself included, uh, when I'm, I guess, asked a question about aliens, for example, this sounds really random, but people will say, oh, do you believe that in aliens it is? And my, my response was always, well, if they did, Jesus would have had to go to that planet and die for them too. So I think once I learned about evolution, it was a lot about like removing myself as being removing humans from being the most important thing, part of creation, let's say. Um, I feel like there's even hints of evolution in the biblical creation story that um, humans and animals are made from the same substance, the ground. Um, and that water, like, kind of gives birth to the creatures, like the fish. Um, like, I'm not a science major, but with everything that I've learned, if we can just live in harmony with each other, with animals, with, and I'm not an animal lover, but just be kind to animals, with the, with nature, um, and just appreciate it, that's my, that's my new perspective and just with my daughter with kaya helping her to do that as best um as much Mm -hmm. as i can uh uh having her recognize that 
well, something that's so beautiful about a lot of people with intellectual disability, every day is a brand new day for them. Um, because in a lot of cases, not all working memory can be a, a bit of a, a challenge. Um, I see that as a blessing, honestly. Um, every day is a brand new day. They get to take it on as a brand new day. Um, so I think I've adapt, I've um, absorbed that as well, that every day is brand new and yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my life perspective right now. Yeah, that's, that, that's good. I love that. And, um, you know, the, the fact that you mentioned just, uh, being, um, just here, like where you are presently and, um, even being with all creation and all things around us, um, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think about it's actually that that is actually an ancient Christian tradition of mm-hmm. exactly. you know, being interconnected with uh, creation and the earth and like, um, like one one thing for me that is just so good for, I mean, my own mental health and, um, and just just having a presence of peace is being formed by nature um Mm -hmm. you know so i'm i'm in the mountains of western north carolina and um we have um i don't know if you've ever heard of pisgah national forest but is a no yeah it's a i mean luscious green because we the the area that that i'm in is the the climate is considered a tempered rainforest and so it rains a ton during the spring and summer months and so it's just always so lush and green here and like we have I mean hundreds uh to thousands of you know trails and waterfalls and like just so many opportunities to get out in nature and Mm -hmm. one thing that's so good for me and like I said my mental health and it's just going and just being in nature Mm -hmm. and and what I find from that when I when I get to go out and just be and just you know, listen to the birds and like um, listen to the water flow and, you know, the wind um, rustling the trees. Like when I come out, you know, of the forest and off of a trail and like get home, like just, I, I, there's just this sense of just peace and calm and, and just, but because I was just in a, environment that was just it was just peace and calm Mm -hmm. and being formed by nature and creation and these things um and then obviously you'll you'll hear the you know the tropes of well that's just uh new age and like all this kind of thing (laughs) like i'm like no that that's actually an ancient christian tradition of you know like being being connected with all of creation being being formed Mm -hmm by creation in certain ways and um yeah so I I love that you you pointed that out um it it, and I think it like you said it definitely gives us a a sense of just being able to just just be in the present and Mm -hmm. um, you know yeah because living in the past or just being too concerned with the future which I feel like the church is 
obsessed with it. Um, I made a post, I have it here Whoa. in April of my attempt to actualize heaven through the actions of my disabled child. Um, once I learned that my understanding of heaven is not the biblical, how the, the, the ancient Jews oh, understood yeah. what heaven was, that definitely encouraged me to try and live, like I said, presently, because mm. when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, he meant right now. Um, and I wrote that your life, your body and your spirit, like we have every opportunity to experience God's creation while we're here here while we're alive but what are we what are people choosing to do instead people who identify as christians we are poking trying to poke holes in other people's theology and i can say this because this is this was my my pastime after i when i was a new parent i would just be in different theo like theology groups fighting with people and it made me feel terrible even if i thought i was right or even if i was right um there's so much time wasted and because no one knows for sure what happens after when we die do you really want to spend your entire life quarreling with people when instead we can be intentional and just live how jesus lived look how intentional he was when he he chose who to have dinner with mm -hmm. i see people say like oh yeah well he was having dinner with those people so he could call them out on their sin. I don't remember that seeing that in the Bible. I don't mm -hmm. remember seeing him saying that like he, he deliberately went to the people that society didn't want to be associated with. And he didn't seek like recognition for it. After he healed people, he always said like, don't tell anybody. And I don't think that was for any ulterior motive. It was just like, when he when he healed disabled people, it was so that they could enter back into the public and not be discriminated against. He was highlighting the ableism that existed within religious spaces because they were the ones that were pushing them out. He's like, mm -hmm. you can't come worship with us because you have one arm or you have leprosy. Um, there's just so much that's misunderstood. People try to put words into Jesus's mouth and thinking that oh i have the correct theology but really you're just trying to create god in your own image once again yeah that's it right there <laughs> creating mm -hmm. creating god in, in your own image um mm -hmm. yeah uh yeah i mean the one of the one of the biggest places that uh we find jesus is on the margins um you know and and going back to that that idea of you know whose voices are we centering um, mm -hmm. you know, um, oh, you speaking know. of that with the voices, that just brought something, um, from the Bama podcast. So in the garden, after Adam and Eve have, let's say, eaten the fruit and they're trying to hide from God. So God's walking around in the garden. And obviously because God is all knowing, he knows where they are and he asks them, where are you? Did you eat the forbidden fruit? But apparently 
in the Hebrew translation, it's not as simple as that. That's not exactly what it means. It's actually God saying to them, I understand that you have like these desires and you acted upon your negative desires, but even still, why are you ashamed of the way that I made you? Like they, uh, they had, God created them naked and they wanted to cover that up. Um, and that's not just because, oh no, now they can see my, uh, my naked body. It was speaking to something a lot deeper than that. Um, why, who, what voices are we listening to when we're struggling, when we're, um, questioning, uh, who are we listening to? Are we looking to, when, if we choose to look to the Bible, are we looking to what Jesus says or are we choosing to look at theologians who are just trying to like give their best guess of what Jesus was trying to communicate? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, I love that we've highlighted that on this episode, you know, um, what voices are we centering in our lives? Um, yeah. Cause like I said, that's, I think that, that that's one of the biggest places that we, that we find Jesus is, is on the margins, whether that be women, people living with disabilities, um, uh, queer people, um, you know, people of color, um, groups that have been historically marginalized i we we find jesus in those places um i fully believe it um mm -hmm. so last thing and then um we'll end this out one one thing that i love that you have on um the top of your page um your hey church page is you have um humanity over theology um mm -hmm. i love that and the for, for this i really want to <laughs> challenge something and and help us um just carve a better path forward in the way we view people with disabilities the way we you know walk alongside people living disabilities and support them and um and also um also you know knowing that they have mental health needs just you know that everybody else does um mm -hmm. and so the and so the, the, this really ties everything together of whole person person-centered this idea of um special needs mm -hmm. you know yeah like how how do you because before I started working in this, you know, supporting people with disabilities, um, that was the common, you know, phrase or the common term, you know, it is, it's somebody with special needs, you know, um, right. Yeah. And, and as I've, as I've learned and as I've grown, you know, realized that that is, that is, that's, a, it's a, it's a dehumanizing way of viewing you know people that that live with disabilities like it's, mm -hmm. it's just human needs yeah know? exactly and i uh, think it's a way for able people for us to make ourselves feel more comfortable that way we don't need to acknowledge that while 
disabled people are people, that they are different from us. That's just like, I also don't like the term people of color because I don't like being grouped into that when I'm black mm, and there's yeah. brown people and there's Asian people. Um, language has just become even more important to me. And I think that yeah, something like special needs, the church does not want to let go of let go of that. I don't know why. And I, well, actually maybe I do. It's because they don't want to acknowledge how they've treated people with disabilities. And I forget what your question was. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 you know, challenging that idea of special needs and um, helping people realize that, you know, it's simply just human needs in their context. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, some better pass forward of, you know, seeing people that live with disabilities as whole people and not, you know, that particular disability being who that person is. Um, and, you know, ju just supporting and walking alongside people that live with disabilities better um, mm -hmm. and, and caring, and, you know, connecting them and supporting them to the resources that they deserve and need as well. And, um, you know, supporting their mental health and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the simplest way I I like to look at it and I guess share with people is that we all breathe, like we all have breath, and when we all die, then we don't. Like it's as simple as that. Um, and everyone's life will be different given our experiences and who we are um i think that helps to just view it that way because i know that there are christians and people in the church that will say well this person isn't a christian and therefore they're going to hell like that already is separating you from viewing that person as equal to you um if we can just again people christians need to learn science that's that's what it comes back down to if we're we just acknowledge that we're all living things capable of so much it it makes things a lot less complicated yeah mm. i've become a science advocate as well because that's helped me appreciate so much more learning basic science in adulthood because as a kid i was told to stay away from it yeah that's, that's i mean simple yet profound just you know um trying to adopt this this con this mindset of you know we all have breath and then we die we don't you know um and what are whatever you know supports or needs that we have in between that time is just unique. it's a part of living your life <laughs> exactly it's just it's just not special needs it's just it's just human needs based on our context and situation like exactly. that's it you know um, <laughs> even even people of you know um that are not living with some sort of disability enabled body you know still need support you know, we, we oh, all, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, we all have our own needs. 
And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's good. Just just remembering that we all have breath, and when we die, we don't. And yeah, you know, because <laughs> everybody who was alive is alive, and then one day we won't be. I think, and we should just be focused on, like, what can we do while we're alive? Don't waste that time. Yeah. Well, that 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 is a good, um, good just mindset to to you know remind people of and help people to say hey like remember this when you interact with people live with disabilities. Mm -hmm. like, I that's like, something that I have in my mind as well. Maybe like for, with everybody. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah, it sounds so simplistic, but everyone has needs. Everyone is an individual. Um, and what I find so ironic is that Christianity is all about individuality. Yet, as soon as we want to, I don't know, discuss theology, then it becomes groupthink, which also conservative Christians are not are against. It's yeah, it's let's just listen to what Jesus had to say about how we're supposed to treat other people, and yeah, things will be a lot less complicated. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rachel, again for, you know, like I said, lending your voice, sharing your story, you know, sharing with, you know, me and our listeners, a lot of stuff that you've learned in navigating this and some deconstruction and, and reconstructing some things um, and kind of like some really, really life giving ways. And so, yeah, just just thanks again. Of course. Yeah. Where can people um, interact with you, connect? Um, um, I'm on an Instagram hiatus right now for my mental health. Good. <laughs> but yeah. there are a lot of posts that I feel are um, helpful and edifying on my Instagram page, which is underscore hey church. There's also um, a link tree that people can click, and there's free printables that I've made on there as well. Awesome. Well, I will uh, link your Instagram page in the show notes so folks can find you and um, interact with your content. And hopefully they find it as, you know, um, as life-giving and, and good and even challenging that, as it has been for me. So um, y'all can find Rachel's um, page in the show notes. Um, but just want to say thanks again, Rachel, and thank you all for um, coming to our corner of the internet here and leaning in on this conversation and, and um, into our show. Um, as always, if you guys um, enjoy this show and if you enjoyed this episode, it would help us a lot with, um, you know, the algorithm and, you know, the show getting in front of more people. If you just leave us a review, let us know what you think um, and make sure you follow us on um social media that'll all be linked down below um but as always um thanks for coming to the table um we appreciate you we see you we love you um we will catch you guys on the next episode of the pour over podcast